Boko. Where I come from, we call it Koboko. And um, those of you who don't know, you know, uh, there's a certain kind of uh, uh, cane, yes, cane that, you know, they, 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 they do what parents do in those days where we come from. And after that, you have to say, thank you, sir, for doing it. <laughs> oh, Lord, Hallelujah. But we just receive it in, you know, in the spirit of correction. And, you know, we just repent for our um, laxity. And because sometimes events can overtake us and we just, you know, all of this. But the good thing about God is that he's always restoring us. He's always embracing us. And at times like this, it is not a time to run away from God. But time to run to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, that reminded me of one koboko I received from my father many years ago. And that would just help me to dovetail into what I'm trying to talk about this morning. And um, I just graduated from college at that time. And um, I, I sat my father down. I wanted to explain some things to him. And... Um, so I started talking to him about his work, his business. His just, he was just listening. Maybe he was listening or not. I don't even know. I just said at the end of the day, it didn't end well anyway. So I was talking to him about his business. You know, I just came back from school. I learned about accounting and all that kind of thing. And, and I sat him down. I was bold enough to sit him down and talk to him. And... Uh, after I finished talking, he didn't say anything. He was very uncomfortable. You know, it was a very uncomfortable silence. And I didn't know whether to get up and leave or keep sitting down. I didn't know. I didn't understand what, what was going on. I didn't know what to do. It was very uncomfortable. And I think he did it purposely to make me see how stupid I was. So I sat down and uh, when I wanted to leave, he told me, he called me, he said, he said, that thing you are talking about, it's about money, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, okay. All the school you have been to, how much have you made from it? I said, nothing, sir. I said, okay. I don't know about all your debit and credit, but I know about money. Where is he headed to? And he said, okay. Next time before you open your mouth and advise people <laughs> when they have not asked you for advice, you better sit down and know their pedigree. I've been doing business before you were born. I don't know your debit and credit. But I know about money. I did not learn it from school. I learned it from experience. Hard knock. So after you have gone out and made money, I'll be ready to listen to you. Because right now, all you are saying is theory. It means nothing to me. 
I would prefer to hold on to my little knowledge about the money I knew from experience than trading it for all the theories you're talking to me about. But I sat down there and I was confused. And he got up and left me there. Knowing what he has done, he has done a walk there that I will never forget. And that leads me uh, into what I'm trying to say this morning. Can you give me 1 John chapter 1? Look at what he said. That which was from the beginning. Which we have what? Her. Which we have what? With our eyes. Which we have looked upon. And our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Give me number three. Verse number three. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, it is what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have handled, that we are declaring to you. We are not telling you about theories here. It's what we have experienced, what we have handled. That's what we are communicating to you. That's what we're giving you. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. I want you to understand the mind of John when he was making, when he was writing this statement. I want you to really understand the mind of John. All right? The church at Ephesus was one of the most successful church. At the same time, they were one of the most problematic church. It was a double-edged sword, you know. They did so well and they did so badly. All right? In the beginning, we saw Paul there. Paul did not create that church. Or Judge Paul did not start that church, but he went there to establish the church. And with the ministry and the grace of God upon the life of church, we saw how that church thrived. In fact, in the book of Acts, the Bible told us that so mightily grew the word and prevailed. In, that, in, in, in Ephesus, so mightily grew the word and prayer. And what does that mean? Don't, don't just think that, oh, okay, the word of God just multiplied. And No, that's not what it said. That's not what it means. It means that that word actually did grow, the word of God. The grace of God actually did grow and changed the culture of that community. The word of God, the word of God grew and changed the economy of that, of that place. It changed the people and it changed their religious and social outlook to life. That's what it meant by when it said the word of God grew and prevailed there. It changed everything. Everything became, I mean, Ephesus in those days was like, uh, was like maybe Atlanta, you know, the hub of you know, a particular environment or a particular area. So we have, you know, we have Atlanta, we have Hartsfield you know, where that's a major hub of the southeast and maybe that's what Ephesus was like. So it was a major, major, major town or major city in those days. And as Ephesus was thriving and people discovered that this Paul was a guy that was causing all this problem because you know why? You know, one of, one of the main trade there was the trade of Diana. It was a religious trade, right? They were worshiping Diana, the, the goddess of fertility. All right? They go there to go and worship her, worship at her feet, and, and it was a big industry. But as things began to change because the word of God was growing and increasing and changing the culture and changing everything, the labor union at that time, so I just made that up, there was no labor union. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
The workers at the time, the workers, you know, the people that were working, that were benefiting from that trade of Diana at that time, rose up against Paul. And when they rose up, they chased him out of town. Ran him out of town. And so, but he was striving. And Paul felt at that time that, you know, he had done a work there. So he went back. And when he was going back, he was leaving that area, Asia Minor, and was leaving. He called the elders at, you know, an adjacent city called Melitos. That's why he did that major prayer, one of Paul's major prayer. He told them everything. I have not withheld anything from you. I told you everything the way God has committed it to me. God has committed it to my care. I've told you. I've given you everything that God has given me. He said, but one thing I fear is that people will come. He said, ravenous wolves will come. Because they want to take you away, tear you away from the truth. But he said something to them. He prayed to them. He said, look. He said, but look, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to save you and give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. He prayed that prayer. But guess what? After he left, he had to send Timothy there because the ravenous wolf actually came. And they did something that was destructive there. All right? Now, when Timothy also left, there was also another rising of another problem or issue again. But luckily for them, John was at Ephesus at the time. And it was at Ephesus that he wrote this scripture. First John. He wrote it there at Ephesus. All right? And what was John confronting at that time? John was confronting people who were trying to deny the gospel and deny Jesus Christ. Or they were giving the gospel a separate or a different uh, uh, connotation than what God originally meant it to be. All right? They had all kinds of crazy doctrine going on at the time. And one of those doctrines was that, oh, look, um, uh, that this, any, everything spiritual is good. And everything matter is bad. All right? You said what? Okay. So, and that particular doctrine translated into them the idea that they had with Jesus. That Jesus was not a real person. They said Jesus was not a real person. Jesus was a spirit or an anointing or a grace that came on a physical human being. And when that human being was, I mean, when, when that human being was about to die, that grace lifted, or that anointing called Christ lifted and left. So Jesus Christ actually did not suffer for our sin. He did not come in the flesh. He did not suffer for our sin and all of that. And this was the kind of people, and that doctrine was really, really prevalent at the time. And this was the kind of people that John was confronting. And that's why he was telling them. Can you give me one again? So to those people he was talking, he said, that which we have seen, that which was from the beginning. In other words, what was said from the beginning. They prophesied it from the beginning. They did all that. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. We heard it. It was said from the beginning, but we heard this one. Which we have seen with our own eyes. Which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. So we're not just telling you a story here. We are telling you what happened what we have seen, what we have experienced. And from that, my question to you this morning is this. 
in your own life, in your own situation, have you been able to get to a point where you're as confident as John was? And declare, I have heard. I have seen. I have handled the word of life. Because like those guys who came and were challenging uh, uh, John and challenging the idea or the concept of God, there are situations and circumstances that you're going to confront. And until you know you have seen, you know you have handled, you will cave. You will cave. This guy was so confident. He said, we have seen it with our own eyes. We have handled. Do you know what it means to handle? We have handled it. The things we have handled. Of the word of life. Can you be this confident? And I'm here to tell you that it's possible. You can be this confident. You can also declare. You can say, I have seen. I have heard. I have handled. This is exactly what my father was telling me when he sat me down. Don't come and tell me what somebody has told you. Tell me what you have done. You have done. Yeah, show me result. Show me result. Don't just talk. Talk is cheap. Everybody talks. You know, you know that is the, the easiest thing is that everybody has an opinion. Right? Everybody has an opinion. It's cheap. It's free. It's out there. It's, everybody can have, you can have any kind of opinion. But where I come from, they will say, Olobon Soro. Talika alone lied. Yeah. Translation. When successful people are talking, what is Talika? Four people. Four people. They say they have idea. That's all they have. Talk about, oh, I have an idea. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I have an opinion too. You can have an opinion. But what has your opinion achieved? Your idea, your opinion, what you think has no basis if it has not been tested in the oven of experience. Tested in the oven of experience. It's nothing. John can come and tell you. He was so confident. He was bold. He was saying, we have seen it. And that's why I'm inviting you to this fellowship. He knew what he had seen. And sometimes when people are reading this, they just say, okay, oh, he just, oh, he saw, he talked. No, it's more than that. They saw something more than every other person. Because everybody saw Jesus. Everybody saw him. Remember what the Bible says? He said, he came unto his own. And his own received him not. In other words, they, they, they knew. They saw him. Everybody saw him. Everybody touched him. But it made no difference. Your touching makes no difference. You're just, you, you have to see beyond. And touch beyond. It, it's more than all these things that we're carrying about. and just this, this guy was so confident. He was bold. He said, the things that we have heard. The things... That we have seen. Not with somebody's eyes, not somebody telling me, not somebody describing me, but with our own eyes. We saw it with our own eyes. 
Look at how, look at how uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, um, Peter described it. First Peter. Look at what Peter said. First Peter, I think chapter 1 verse 16. Can we see that? Can you? Is this first Peter or second Peter? Hold on one second. I'll get it now. Father um, told me not to be disorganized, but. 116. Second Peter, 116. All right. Second Peter, not first Peter. Okay, look at what he said. He said, look, look, he was so sure of what he was talking about. Look at what he said to, to corroborate what this guy was saying. He said, look, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we were what? Okay, eyewitness of what? His majesty. There was a revelation of his majesty that they saw that the other people did not see. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's what he saw. He said, everybody, you see, everybody can look, but not everybody can see. Right? Everybody can look, but not everybody can see. My prayer this morning is that God will give us both the ability to look and to see. In the name of Jesus. Open to first, open to John chapter, chapter 1, verse 14. Let's see what they saw again. Let's see what they saw again. Let's see what they were looking at. John chapter 4. Um, John chapter 1, verse 14. Okay. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we did what? We beheld his word. Glory. Jesus was carrying a glory. There was a glory about him that they were beholding, that they could see, that others could not see. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. In other words, these guys interacted so much with him, witnessed his majesty. Witness his grace and his truth. And it's out of that boldness and out of that confidence that they came out. By extending this same fellowship that they've had with the people. Not what they told them. Listen, not what they told them. But what they had experienced. This same fellowship that they had experienced, they were now inviting people into the same fellowship. And if you have been born again, you are blood washed, you are a child of God, I tell you, you can experience this. So that when you come against every opposition, everything that is working against you, you see, that, that's why the Bible says, the, the Bible says, it says, 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 the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. Why? Because it's a rock. It's built upon a rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ. And, and, and I'm telling you this morning, if you can just uh, uh, plan your life and walk your life on, about, and around this rock, you will overcome every issue, every circumstance 
that is, that is assailing or wants to assail you. All right, quickly, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I don't want to take too much of your time. I just, uh, some observation I made that I think some lessons I, I figured out, I, I just picked out three lessons that I think we can learn that I think made these guys lived at this level of experience with God, how they were able to experience these kind of things. There are three things I just picked out from their lives. Generally, they are, you know, how they lived their life or how they related with Jesus. All right? The first thing I think happened to them was that when nobody else received Jesus, their hearts were open to receive him. Their hearts were open to receive him. You see, sometimes, sometimes you see, we, we don't put ourselves, we, 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 we don't know that we have the advantage of scriptures, all right, to read and to learn of what errors other people have committed, right? And sometimes, in some way, we think we are better than them, right? We're not saying it, but we think we are better than them, all right? But these guys didn't have the advantage of scriptures. Imagine, imagine. Frederick, imagine. Right? Somebody you think you are better than came to you and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then you left everything and followed him. How stupid is that? That's really stupid. Did you know that that also happened with the disciples and Jesus? That when it comes to the natural, if you are weighing things in the natural, they were naturally better than him. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. You know why? Because Jesus was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. And those kind of trade were the least respected trade in that area. So if you're if you if you a carpenter, you're poor. In those days, wealth was measured by how much cattle you have and how much land you have. Look at when God, when they wanted to measure the, the wealth of uh, Abraham, Joshua, Abraham, Justin, they said they talked about how many cattle they had. They don't use, carpenters are not uh, this thing. Carpenters are, it's these days that you have rooms to go. Don't say Jesus was not walking in rooms to go. You know, neither was his habit. It was just something in the corner somewhere there. You have it, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was, not, he was just there in the corner somewhere. How many people were using stools in those days? How many people sat on the floor to eat their food? And, and you know, he really was not needed. He really was not important. And this same guy came to them and said, follow me. Make you fishers of men. And they followed him. So when nobody else saw anything good in them, in him, they received him. They received him. Is it, can we do those kind of things? Can that kind of thing happen to us today? Yes. Can we go through that process? Yes. Because Jesus and his word are one. Right? His word has co is coming to us. And just the way the other people that he came to did not receive him. In a lot of ways, that's why we are not receiving the word of God when it comes to us. Say, you know, you are going through some, something, you are going through a situation, somebody say, ah, you know, uh, you know, Pastor IBK said, uh, uh, it is well when he was talking on the, this thing. I said, oh, 
okay, okay. Well, I know, I know. They say in our church. Say in our church. Said, oh, the word of God. Oh, you're going through some certain situations, and somebody called the word. Oh, okay, yeah, I know, I understand. You see, we we don't receive the word of God exactly the way Jesus was rejected in those days. And we can't take it. We can't we can't have it. It takes humility for those guys to be able to go to Jesus and receive him, even when he was not up to them socially, in terms of his social status, his economic status. It took humility. And it's the same humility that it takes for us to receive the word of God. That's why in James chapter 1, the Bible says that we should receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. It takes humility. Do you know that one of the most difficult things is, you know, to respect people, no matter their accomplishment. Once you grew up with them, you know them, right? It's difficult to just take them, to accept them. It's difficult. Some years back, I, I, I remember uh, this guy who has, who has an issue. And um, there was, a, there was um, so I was talking to one guy about him who I felt could help him. I felt the guy could help him. The guy had the resources or the wherewithal to be able to help him. And I was telling this other guy, I said, look, I've spoken to this guy concerning you. He's expecting you. He wants you to come and all that. And the guy said, man, me? Go there? This was a guy, and he was like, this was a guy that was always running around me and I was always, you know, when we're young, when we're, when we're young, when we're together. He was a guy that was always, and then I would go back to him, Man, you better wake up. You need help. This guy can help you. Humble yourself. So that you can get the help that you need. Can we humble ourselves under the word of God this morning? Because that's the only channel that we can use to receive the word of God. To receive the word of God. yourself. Those guys humbled themselves. They were not, I mean, they looked beyond themselves. Debating my mind, maybe I should share another story, but let me not put somebody's story out there. All right, let's go, let's go to number two. Number two thing that I think happened, number two thing that I believe happened, that apart from receiving him, Apart from receiving Jesus, apart from receiving that word of life that was from the beginning, why, how were they able to get to that point where they were able to see beyond what other people were seeing and handle beyond what other people were handling? Number two point, number two point was that they, these disciple guys, these guys, right, they created an opportunity for Jesus Sorry, let me put it this way. They created an opportunity to accommodate the Jesus that they have received. An opportunity to accommodate him. What do I mean? Immediately he said, follow me. Like pastor was saying this morning. Now, and when they agreed, there was no excuse. They left their jobs right there. They left their jobs and followed him. And not just their jobs alone. Some even left their families. 
and followed him. Now, I'm not saying go home and go and meet your wife and say, okay, I'm gone. I'm, I'm going to. I'm <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is that, which is not what we normally like to hear, right? We, we normally don't like to hear this a lot of times, is that there's always something you will have to give up to accommodate him. And here's what I mean by that. Dr. Nofio always talks about the flesh. There's something about the flesh that you have to give up that will make room for Jesus in your life. That will make room for the word of God to thrive. You have to give up something. You have to give it up. And I'll tell you something. In, 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 in Mark 4, we read about the story of the sower. Right? The story of the sower said, at one point, some hearts received the word, right? He said, but they could not prosper because they did not find the root in them. That thing that they were looking for did not find root. That word that was sown did not find root in them. Is, does the word of God have root inside you this morning? Does it have root? Does it have root inside you? You receive the word, you find root. Because when you sow a seed into the ground, if that seed is going to ever be good, if anything good is going to happen to that seed, all right, the ground must make room for that seed to find expression at its growth. The ground is moving. The seed is becoming a shoot. It's becoming a grass. And, it's growing, and as it is growing in its roots, the ground is moving and making adjustments and, 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 and making adjustments and moving right and moving left so that the root or the tree or whatever the plant is can find expression in it. And in the same way, we have to be able to make room and make adjustments for the word of God to find expression in us. Expression in us. And number three, I told you I won't be long. I'll just. Number three. What they did. That I think they did. Or I believe they did. Was that these guys did not just accept Jesus or receive Jesus, they did not just make room for Jesus. But they wholeheartedly interacted with him. Wholeheartedly interacted with him. Wholeheartedly interacted with him. They were with him in everything. In fact, they participated in everything that he was doing. They saw it. They participated. They felt it. They were a part of it. They enjoyed it. When he was sorrowing, they sorrowed with him. When he was happy, they were happy with him. In fact, if they could, some of these guys, they would have followed him to the cross. Because they followed him to the place, you know, they followed him to the place where, uh, this thing, they followed him to the place where, you know, it was just that they couldn't get beyond there. 
him to the pilot. And I wanted to know how dangerous it was at that time. For them to be able to, so you need to give these guys credit. Because a lot of times when we're talking about all these, you know, and we just look at it, we just look at it from a peripheral level. But if you understand the culture and the background and everything that was going on, you will know that they hazarded them their lives to a large extent. How much interaction are you having with the truth today? having with the truth today? How much interaction? Because it is with that interaction and finding room for expression for the word find room for expression and receiving that word that this thing that we call experience begins to happen. And when experience happens, my God, your life will not be the same. Your life will not be the same. In, in fact, I, you know what I titled this message? It say, to know God is to experience him. You know, to, to know God is to experience. When all these ingredients are cooked together, when they all come together and you have this experience, things are not going to be the same with you. I know a young man called Mr. David in scripture. And the whole of Israel was going to face Goliath. Goliath came out. They, you know, he, he was a champion of you know, the Philistines. Goliath of Gath. And the way they describe him is fearful. They said, they said his spear was like a weaver's beam. Do you, you know what a weaver's beam is? And he could not even by himself carry his spear. He had to have someone to carry the spear. That's how heavy. And that's how, you know, that spear touches you, you are gone. It's going to tear you in pieces. And that guy had destroyed people. He was a soldier. He was, he was a warrior. He was a warrior. And he started boasting before the people of God. After I tell you this story, I'm going to sit down, okay? He started boasting before the people of God. Give me somebody amongst you. Let me fight that person. Are you guys afraid? Taunting them. Do you know? And young David just came out. I will do it. Everybody was afraid. The experience, the soldiers that were experienced, the king that was a man of war, everybody was hiding in their corner. This guy came out. A young boy, he came out. He said, I can do it. I can do it. And the king asked him, what is your confidence? What is your confidence? He didn't, he didn't say, oh, I read it in, in prophecy. You know, it was something they read in prophecy. He was, no, that's not what he told him. Or, you, you, know, he did, you, know, you know what he said? He, he, he just did not come and say, okay, oh, it's something, I read it yesterday. Or, no, I believe it because somebody said, no, that's not what he said. He said, your servant. I was tending my father's ship. Lion came. I tore the lion. The bear came. I took the bear out. The same way that God has given me the lion and the bear, that's the same way he's going to give me the Philistine, this Philistine. What was he talking about? His experience with God. He has changed with God, like Pastor would say. 
He has proved the word of God. I like that song that was sung. Jesus, Jesus, how I love you. I proved you over and over. He, he has proved God. He has proved God. He has tested the word of God. He saw it was sweet. And he knew that this same Goliath will be the same thing with this guy. Samson went a step further. I mean, uh, Saul went a step further. And said, you see, this, this thing that I'm wearing, this is my, this my weapon of warfare. This is my armor. I mean, it has done wonders for me. Take it. It's going to help you. It will help you. Now, if he was, to, he was going to help David, why didn't you wait and go and meet him? You are giving, you are giving him to go, for him to go and wait. And you know it is that potent. It is, it is this, and you can't wait to go and face him. David went there. You know what David told him? David wore it and the thing. He looked at the thing. He told him, he said, Oga, this thing is fine. I have not proved it. It's not something I have proven. I've not proven it. I did not prove it. I've not proved this thing. This thing we're talking about, this thing you're telling me to wear, I've not proven it. The only thing I have proven is my sling. And I know that that sling, the way I presented it to God for the lion, and I presented it to God for the bear, if I can take that same sling and present it to God for Goliath, it will achieve the same result. That is what I have proven. And I'm going on the back of the experience that I have had with God. And I know that that experience will not fail me. Just as your experience with God will not fail you. God bless you. No, okay. Uh, but he gave three important points that I think we really, really, really need to pay attention to. He said it adequately. Adequately. Number one point he made. He said that the hearts of those disciples were open to receive Jesus. Let me put it to you this way. Same thing, but I want to put it in a little differently. If you and I were to invest today $10,000 a piece in Netflix or Facebook, we will not accomplish what you will have accomplished if we put $1,000 in Netflix or Facebook 10 years ago. Which one is more? 10,000 is more than 1,000, right? So I can invest 10,000 today or I could have invested $1,000 10 years ago. Same company. What's the difference? The guys that did investment 10 years ago were what you call early adapters. They saw the company and immediately jumped in it. $1,000. And 10 years later, it's history. And the rest of us who are late adapters, we are struggling to find 5000 10000 to invest in the same company. But those who did it first 
were the beneficiaries. The most beneficial. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So what he's saying to us is, me and you need to become early adapters of whatever Jesus is saying to us. Stop arguing with scriptures. You will not win. Where was I? I think it was last Sunday. We are trying to understand everything God says before we obey. I don't know how a car works. I put the key, I start the car, I drive. I have no understanding of the of, of, uh, turbine engines and all this. No, but the thing drives. So what I'm saying is stop arguing. Why is this one so? Why is that one not so? How will God do it? Is that your business? God said it. That settles it. Just do it. Number two point he made. Ah, man, you blessed me. In fact, listen, let me give you a personal offering. <laughs> this one is more than $2. Old. <laughs> Just so you know. He said they created an opportunity to accommodate what Jesus, the Jesus they received. For many of us, we hear the word, we hear the word, we hear the word, but we don't ever set the reset button. You heard it today now. What are you going to change? What about your life tonight, tomorrow, next week? We change as a result of what you said. That's the problem. The word of God is not automatic. It won't just do it automatically. Why? He will not force himself on you. There's an element of my will and your will that's involved. So we must push the reset button. God, I'm trusting you to make this change, this adjustment in Jesus' name. So help me God. Because we know that's him that's at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But, it's, but I have to receive the information first and say, God, this things need to change. There must be adjustments. I don't want to take any much more time, but I can stand here and tell you adjustment after adjustment after adjustment I'm having to make even now on a consistent basis. Number three, and this is a big kicker. This is the huge one right here. They wholeheartedly interacted with Jesus. Kai. Please give me Second Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to shut up. Second Peter 1 verse 2. They wholeheartedly interacted with Jesus. This is the translation of that three point. We're hearing grace, 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 grace. You wonder, why is grace not working for you? Why is it not working? Grace, 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 grace. Why is it not working? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. I beg, please. Jay, give it to me in NLT. NLT. This is how grace is multiplied. May God give you what? More. And more grace and peace. How? As you grow in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the question is, are you growing? 
If you are not growing in the knowledge of him, the grace you receive is the one that just got your nose through the line and you just got born again just by your nose. <laughs> by the skin of your nose, you're in heaven. That's it. But if you want to see grace multiply more and more, it takes interaction with the one who is grace, Jesus Christ. It is as we know him wholeheartedly that that grace is multiplied to us more and more. So, bottom line is, spend time with God. That's what he's telling us. Research your priorities. Make the adjustments. And spend time with God. Grace and peace, even though God has given it, you don't receive it automatically. It's by faith as you minister back and forth to him in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I shut up. Thank you, man. Amen. So we've got a double dose of the word. And so, as you have received the word, I wanted to reciprocate first in your giving this afternoon. The one thing that amazes me when I read the book of Acts is that they never took time to tell them, raise an offering. But as they received the word, there was something it did to them in their giving to the extent that many sold their lands, their goods, and all. Because they realized that if this world has transformed me, it's going to transform somebody else. So let me empower those that are going out there to do the word. I want to challenge you this afternoon. I want to challenge you this afternoon. Give. Interact with the world right now in your giving. 